Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just broke out real bad right there. <laughs> Sorry. Literally, I thought you were the Decepticon, and I, I freaked out <laughs> yeah. a little bit right there. It did sound like that, yeah. <laughs> I thought my Mac was going to, like, transform or something, and I was like, okay, is this okay. real life? Yeah, it wait, was you. Yeah. I was like, wait, what, what am I talking about? Batman on Transformers. I mean, I'll, I'll just announce it, and that'll be it. Okay. <laughs> Do I sound good now? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now he sounds like a de- the uh, Decepticon drowning underwater. <laughs> I do not know how to swim. I weigh 4,000 pounds. Yeah. Okay. I will also have another big announcement. Uh, 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 It's another Bad Fans Podcast. This is episode number 25. I have the show notes in front of me, and I just see it on the top on the top tab, and it says Bad Fans 25 Show Notes. So I know it's episode number 25. Uh, my name is Dane, and today I have with me Tim. But just to make sure it's Tim, Tim, I have to ask you a Star Wars question. My just favorite to confirm part that show. nobody killed you. <laughs> right. Um, Tim. Yes. How many lines of dialogue does Darth Maul have in The Phantom Madness? Well, I count five, but I've heard other people say it's only three, but I like to say it's five. (laughs) Okay. That's not really an answer, but we'll confirm (laughs) it with this question. How many times does Darth Maul blink in The Phantom Menace? (laughs) I believe it was three times, was it? No. (laughs) He blinks once. Uh, uh, (laughs) Oh, it's not him. (laughs) I'm not doing good this this day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually found the scene that where he blinks, and it's the scene after um, Obi Wan jumps up from that pit, cuts him in half, but before he falls into okay. the pit. Yeah. Yeah, that's when he blinks. The one thing I did pay attention to when I watched the movie a million times is he blinks. Anyways, uh, we also have Terrence with us. Terrence, how's it hanging? Hey, it's going great. Uh, I feel bad for Tim because last week you asked him three really hard, or two weeks ago you asked him three really hard Star Wars questions, and he got them right, bing, bang, boom, right off the bat, without even thinking about him. And that we had technical difficulties, and it got cut from the show. <laughs> but now that everything's working fine, you stump him on some Darth Maul stuff. But uh, yeah, no, everyone's well, gonna think I know nothing about Star Wars. Yeah, I lost all my Star Wars cred. <laughs> all the Metaclorians are gone. Yes. And uh, I just want to say. Uh, excited! We got a we have a new fan. My mom actually listened to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, she said, awesome. she, and Laura said that you know tomorrow's Mother's Day in uh, England, so it's fitting. But um, she said she liked the the podcast. I'll I'll give her her your 
I'll give everybody her notes and the listener feedback, but it's kind of fitting because my mom took me to many comic book stores and uh, bought lots of Batman stuff for me, including my first Batman comic or my first comic ever, which was the death in the family with the death of Jason Todd Robin. So it's oddly enough comes full circle now. Yeah. Everything old is new again. So I think we'll be talking about Robins and deaths at some point in this podcast. <laughs> Everything's tying together for the show. Yeah. <laughs> pretty well. Yeah. We also have Laurel with us. Laura. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm ill. I'm tired, but I'm here. And I'm going <laughs> to make it. <laughs> Well, this is going to be the best Sorry. medicine for you, talking about it. Yeah, there we go. This will make me feel better soon. You came back. We didn't scare you away last time. That's always good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you wanted me back, so that's thankfully that, that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it's your second episode, and again, we have more big news with this whole Robin death thing. And, um, Tim, did you want to take us into our future topic? Sure, yeah, so... Uh, the case anyone doesn't know by now, but I'm sure everyone does, <laughs> the death of uh, Damien happened two weeks ago in Batman Inc. 8. So we thought our, for a future topic, it would be cool to kind of talk about Robins in general, have <laughs> a discussion about Robin, kind of our favorite characters, our favorite Robin stories. But uh, to start it off, I kind of wanted to see what everyone's thought of was the actual idea of Batman having a sidekick and a partner fighting crime with Robin. So uh, go ahead and start off with, uh, Lauren, what do you think of the actual idea of Batman having a partner and fighting crime. Is that something you always liked, the idea of Robin, or were you one of the people who kind of liked Batman just working alone? Well, I'm kind of biased because I'm a more of a Robin fan than I am a Batman fan. Okay. But that's because I grew up with it, and I kind of thought, oh, hey, the kid's size gets kind of cool, and I'm a kid, and I kind of want to grow up to be, like, kind of Dick Grayson's my favorite character, so I was like, oh, he's pretty cool because he smiles and he's an optimist. <laughs> and I kind of don't want to grow up, like, uh, angsting over my parents in, like, 20 years. But, no, I, I like it. Well, I'm one of probably, well, I wouldn't say a few, but I know I know people who prefer Batman to be a solo, kind of dark yeah. kind of character. But me, myself, I'm a huge Robin fan. But I, don't, I can't really describe why. I think it's kind of the, the kind of having the, as back in the day, he was kind of the, optimistic kind of bright cheery kind of side to the uh, Batman stories it kind of gave you a kind of smile in the dark kind of thing so I, I kind of got drawn to that but yeah, yeah. For, for a lot of different reasons they just work with Batman and Robin they just both work well together story wise I think it works yeah I think it's the, the different personalities bounce off each other really well plus with when it, you know, Morrison kind of reversed it with Dick Grayson being Batman and Damien being Robin, it still works because it's just the opposite dynamic. But I think it's the dynamic of different personalities. Kind of, it leaves it open for different people. So if you like Dark Batman, you can go with Bruce. But if you're kind of looking for that kind of cheery one, you can kind of go, oh, well, hey, I like Robin. But either way, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Terrence? Yeah, I've always liked uh, the idea of sidekicks and, and uh, Robin. I you know I was into Batman when I was really really little, so it it was. Robin was the entrance. I heard um, the creator of Robin, you know, Bob Kane, talk about how Robin was put in as a way for kids to kind of imagine running alongside Batman and for kids to, you know, have a like sort of an entry point into that whole world. And when Robin was introduced, I, I think the comic book sales doubled like right overnight with him in there. Um, so I was always you know, running around pretending I was Robin in a red shirt and everything as a kid. So I've always liked it. And, I, I, you know, I've heard people not like it. Uh, 
a big one against it is Stan Lee. I've heard him say about how if you know the superheroes were running around with these kids, child protective services would come and get them. But it's like <laughs> it's not real. I mean, they're running, flying around in capes and stuff. You know, don't don't overthink it here, dude. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've always liked it. I, I've um, uh, like pretty much all the Robins, you know, one way or another. And um, I actually think it, you know it, it plays off uh, Batman pretty good. I, I enjoy the good Batman solo story as well, but uh, I, I'm a big fan of the the whole Batman Robin dynamic. How about you, Dane? Where do you stand? I think it's more akin to what Terrence was talking about with Bob Kane and Bill I Finger. Mean, when I was not forget him. <laughs> yeah, and Bill Finger. <laughs> um, for me, when I was a kid, the Tim Drake Robin was the absolute coolest thing ever. But um, nowadays. I don't know, it, it, it kind of changes. And it really depends on the writer and the stories, because some some stories I really like Robin, and some stories I just don't. One of them being that I hate um, is that first Tomasi run that we got back back in, right before the new 52. And, you know, flashing forward to the current day, his previous run I really like. So it just changes with the writer and, and the story. It's, it, it's not very consistent. But overall... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say I totally agree with Dane. I mean, sometimes the writers make Robin out to be just so bratty or, you know, just, you know, he's just the bumbling idiot who will get caught for Batman to save or, you know, or Batman could never have, you know, solved this, you know, or escaped if Robin didn't come save him at the last minute. It's kind of some cliches that some mediocre writers fall into, but in the hands of really talented writers like a Grant Morrison or a Scott Snyder, you can really you know see that dynamic and it, it gives you know batman just a whole other layer and dimension and i think it works too because of a batman's upbringing you know batman being you know uh an or pretty much an orphan except for alfred uh and seeing his parents killed right in front of him as a child and then here's dick grayson who has the same thing you could you could see why batman would step in and take him under his wing and um try to give him you know no one would know what dick grayson was going through except for Bruce Wayne, yeah. and so it it works really well with that dynamic. Yeah, for me, I always liked the character, kind of like what you guys said. I mean, I pretty much always knew at, at first as a kid Batman and Robin, and when I would see Batman and kind of like solo stories, I was thought of as kind of weird. Like, where's Robin at? Like, I always thought that there's together most of the times all the story I saw them. I always thought it was weird when Robin wasn't there. But kind of like what you said, Terrence, what makes it work so good for me, and why for me Dick Grayson will always be the my favorite Robin was that, uh, like you said, it's a similar background that they have. It's that bond that they'll always have together. And then seeing that progress as Dick grows up and then goes out on his own as Nightwing, you just kind of see the different paths that he takes from Batman as far as personality-wise and how he deals with things. It's just great storytelling, I think, because they had the same trauma happen to them, and they're dealing with it in a similar way, but at the same time in, with different attitude towards it. So I think that's what really helps make the... Batman and Dick Grayson dynamic works so well. Yeah, Grant Morrison, uh, if you listen to his interview on Fat Man on Batman podcast, had like the greatest sort of Batman Robin analysis. How he said with with Bruce and Dick, they both they're both like each other's heroes. They're both want to be. You know, Bruce looks at uh, Dick bouncing around and and carefree and happy, and he's like, that's that's the childhood I wanted. That's what I wanted to to be. I didn't want you know my uh that tragedy to just scar me for life i could never get over it yet dick looks at batman and it's like well that's everything i want to be and so there's it's it really has this deep friendship with them so um yeah i think it in the hands of a talented writer it works really well yeah definitely i know me and laura said dick is our favorite uh 
Robin out of all of them. What about, uh, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two for Dick Grayson. What about you, Darius? Um, uh, actually, I'd say my favorite Robin is Tim Drake. I like them all, so it's not, not a diss yeah. to any of them. But I like Tim Drake just because, you know, when I started to read comics, it was right is when Death of the Family came out. Um, and, uh, Death in the Family. I was going to say, you only started reading comics forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just started. Uh, Death in the Family. And uh, so I didn't really know uh, Jason or Dick as Robin until I started reading back issues. Um, and then... Um, but I did get to see sort of Tim Drake, sort of like his birth uh, as Robin and his progression and all that. So um, I really like that. I, I hate that they've sort of retconned all that, and now he's been Red Robin the whole yeah. time. So I don't know if he can even, you know, uh, count as a Robin anymore. But I, I think it, it's more just a personal thing with Tim Drake because um, – of just I I was there right from the beginning and I was around the same age as I was reading it kind of middle school uh age high school age kind of the same age as Tim Drake um unfortunately I've aged and he's kind of stayed the same um I got younger yeah he got younger yeah it's a good trick um and his costume was really cool like yep. that was kind of the knock like everybody kind of looked at Robin and it was a little outdated and and kind of goofy and then Tim Drake came out with that new costume and I was like whoa um but my i think the this the Robin that I've liked the best look of although she was not Robin very long I loved the way Stephanie Brown looked as Robin I thought that was a, just an awesome look uh and I loved the covers with her on it and everything uh but she was barely Robin long enough to kind of uh make her mark uh and unfortunately, we have no idea what happened to Stephanie Brown. She's <laughs> lost somewhere. But um, yeah, the, and I and I have to say, I, I really, really like Damian Wayne, even though he's just you know a lot of people hate him. I think the more people hate him, the more I like him. I just like that. <laughs> Me too, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of funny with Robin. Like, I love Dick Grayson's like my favorite Batman character, but then I love him as Nightwing. And then, I, as you said, I loved Tim Drake, but with the whole retcon thing, it's kind of killed his character. Because I kind of liked the fact that he he relied on like, his smarts more than his physical yeah. kind of aspects of himself. But then Damien, I hated him when he first came in. Batman and Son, I was just like, oh, my God. But then, <laughs> but then I just, like, I loved him. He just grew on me, and I was like, oh, you brat. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, I, I kind of like what you said. Um, Terrence said about how um, the more people hate him I just love him as well I was just like you're so annoying but you're so amazing at the same time yeah. just how he, how he called everybody by like Pennyworth and Grace and I was mm-hmm. like, oh but yeah sorry I put in there <laughs> no, no problem no that was awesome yeah. so we got two Dick Graysons one Tim Drake Dane, where are you going with it? <laughs> Who's your favorite Robin? I pretty much like all of them. I mean, I, I would say Dick Grayson, but the problem is with that is I haven't read enough Dick Grayson uh, Robin stories to really comment on that. Um, and plus, too, I, I like him better as as Batman mm-hmm. and Nightwing, so can't really honestly say Dick Grayson. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to have to say t- uh, Tim, Tim Drake. Because he's the one I grew up with. He's the one that I absolutely loved as a kid. And probably the one I most connect with, or most connected with, when I was a kid. So, probably Tim Drake. So, we're ending on a tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you, we all, we, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's funny that what you said about uh, Dick Grayson. That's kind of true, because I never really read too many comics with 
Dick as Robin, because by the right. time we were reading him, he was already Nightwing for a long time. Then my exposure to him at first was this, uh, of course, first from the Adam West show, and then uh, the animated series was this kind of where he became my favorite Robin out of all of them from that. But uh, what's cool about that one, too, I think Tim Drake definitely has the coolest Robin costume out of all of them. This first costume he had, which they incorporated, it's a Batman the Animated Series. I just, it was like the perfect update for that costume. It still felt like classic Robin, but yet updated for the, the 90s at the time. So Tim definitely has that going for him. It's the best Robin design. <laughs> but uh, as far as stories go, do you guys have a particular absolute favorite Robin story from comics, animated series? Um, probably, I will say, I would say movies, but there really isn't any good <laughs> yeah. representation of Robin. Uh, what about you, Terrence? What's your favorite Robin story? Well, you know, I was thinking about that, and nothing really came to mind that jumped out as like a really great Robin comic. Uh, I was having trouble, and I even went on a couple websites to look at like top, you know, ten Robin stories and all that. And uh, you know, because so many of them are Batman and Robin, or Robin is. You know, he's a, he's a part of a lot of stories, but there aren't too many. I did like it in the, in the 90s when he, right around the Nightfall era when he got his own comic. Um, and I really liked that run, but, um, I, I'd probably say my favorite Robin's comic stories are Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin's. Um, and they just had the, um, 99 cent sale on the back issues on the, the digital for the Batman and Robin run, um, the, the pre 52 and I bought them all and I've been rereading them this week and they were really awesome. And it's um, nice to read them and, and understand what they mean now. Uh, <laughs> when I originally read them and was like, what is it? this stuff? You know, there's just so much in it. Um, it's nice to know where it's going and I won't spoil it for anybody, but the whole Oberon Sexton character reading that and knowing who he turns out to be in the end, it was fun to read it, not knowing who he was. Yeah. And now it's fun to read it kind of knowing who he is. Um, but uh, so I, I probably I like Grant Morrison's uh, work a lot with Robin. Um, as far as you know, stories go, and I'm gonna, I know I'm going to steal these from you, um, but I like the uh, Batman animated series, uh, Robin's Reckoning, yeah. which is just class. I mean, that is that's just a awesome. And I'll let you talk more about that, Tim, because I know that's on your list. Yeah. But um, shocker, huh? yeah. <laughs> but I also like the story Old Wounds, where yeah. it's sort of. Uh, Tim Drake, uh, Batman, is talking to Nightwing, and he's there. They go over the whole history of how um, Tim um, Dick Grayson as Robin just couldn't take it anymore, and ended up leaving and becoming Nightwing. And it's kind of cool the the similarities between uh, Dick and Bruce, and you know, and Tim is kind of like the new guy trying to find out, and and Barbara's involved in that as well. So that's a really great Robin story, I'd say, because it, it involves both Tim. And um, Dick and I actually like my 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 stepdaughter loves this show and that's the Teen Titans and Robin is really cool on the Teen Titans you know he's the leader of the Teen Titans I know the show's kind of a little goofy and silly but um, you know he's the leader he's he steps up he's he sh- uses his intelligence he's the only character that doesn't have any superpowers but yet you know he's always like the first one in the fight and um, they weren't allowed to say Deathstroke on that show yeah, so they always called Slade. Deathstroke Slade yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's actually some really cool Slade uh, Dick Grayson stuff in the Teen Titans show and his costume looks a lot like Tim's in that show so. Um, those are some of my favorite uh, Robin stories. How about you, Laura? Um, I liked the animated series episodes that you said as well. Uh, Old Winds and Robin's Reckoning. But obviously, I shall let you talk about that as well, Tim. <laughs> um, comic stories. I'll probably go back to classic. I really liked um, Robin Year One. That was one of the, the kind of ones that I, I reread quite a lot. 
Um, as you said, there's not, they're mostly Batman and Robin stories, really. Um, I quite like, it's not really Robin, but Teen Titans Year One, just because it's really goofy and it's quite fun to read, if anybody's read it. No, it's I actually really haven't fun. read that one. But... Highly recommend it. It's just funny <laughs> because it's got, um, Aqualad, and he's terrified of everything, and he has to go against Batman, and he just kind of screams. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's terrified of Batman, he's just got this panel of him holding up his fist, just shaking and screams, and he runs off. It sounds um, worth it just for that. <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. Um, uh, I, I like Teen Titans as well. I um, That, that kind of uh, started there in, when I was in secondary school, so I was like, that was really big, and uh, I remember me and my uh, best friend, she's a Batman fan as well. Um, we, in college, we rewatched all of Teen Titans and we just went around singing the theme tune. It's like some oh. Japanese high pitch thing. That was quite fun. Yeah, that, that was actually really good. Um, what else is that? I'm quite, I, I watched Young Justice and I quite enjoyed um, the Robin portrayal and that. That was quite cool. Uh, a print. Probably about the same, really. I can't think of any Robin stories that stand out. I quite enjoyed Dark Victory, though. But yeah, that was another one. For comics, that probably for me anyway, that's probably one that's up there. Not because yeah. Dark doing his origin story in that one. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Dark Victory. I think, I think that's it. Yeah, probably Dark Victory and Robin Year One for me. Although I enjoyed Scarecrow Year One, if anyone's ever read that. Sean, um, Sean Gordon Murphy drew it with some of his early stuff. And uh, Bruce and Dick's um, interaction in that's really funny. If anybody check it out, it's really really good. But yeah, no, probably dark picture. Sorry, I haven't read that one. But someone who's a scarecrow's one of his favorite villains, I probably should definitely check that one out. It's really really good. But yeah, I'll probably go with Dark Victory and Robin Year One for me in comic form. Yeah, and I've never read the uh, Teen Titans Year One, but I just looked it up. They're only ninety nine cents an issue on. Uh, DC.com, so I'm adding them to my shopping cart right now, so I'll be reading them tonight. Yeah, looks, <laughs> looks good. Yeah. It looks good, yeah. Really funny. <laughs> it's just good light-hearted reading, and because uh, it's free, it's not free, it's not like a long Halloween kind of hush or death of the family story. Um, my nephew really enjoys them as well, so it's quite good for kids as well. Yeah, so for me, like you guys already said, <laughs> those, those <laughs> Robin stories are going to be greater to me than Robin's Reckoning in that, the animated series. I, mean, I, I know I said this before, but all the people who say Robin doesn't work with Batman, we like Batman just by himself. How can they work together? That's the perfect episode to show someone why Robin works so well with Batman. They did the origin story perfectly. They did the dialogue that they had as Batman and Robin perfectly. Just everything works so well with that. It's, it perfectly showed the emotions that they have when they talk about their parents being killed. It's just great stuff. It just shows why those two characters, I think, are the greatest – or probably two of the greatest uh, characters in comics that, that that are out there. And it just goes to show you just that as ridiculous as it might seem as Batman taking in a little kid to help him fight crime, that episode perfectly shows how it, it does work. So to me, that's always going to be the perfect Batman and, or Robin story to check out comics, movies, animation, whatever. That's going to be the greatest. But then like you guys mentioned, Old Wounds is the perfect ending to that too. We see his origin and Robin's Reckoning and then we see when he leaves. Just the follow-up that they have in there is kind of hard to watch, especially when you see Robin's Reckoning Part 1 and how close they were. And just the, the dialogue at that end sequence where Robin actually leaves, where uh, 
Batgirl tells him, don't blame Batman. I volunteered to join to join this fight against the Joker. And Dick just tells him, like, no, you think you did, but you don't know him like I do. He manipulates you. He pulls strings just to get whatever he wants. And you can tell that hurts Batman when Dick is saying that. But at the same time, it, it probably is kind of true that Batman is using them. I don't want to – using them sounds kind of harsh, but at, in a way, he kind of is just to help him in his war on crime. So that was just a great ending to that Batman-Robin relationship in the animated series. So. Definitely those are going to be <laughs> my absolute favorite Robin stories to check out, like I said earlier. But then, as I mentioned, too, for comics, Starbreaker did a great job of incorporating Robin's origin story into that. Not as good as Robin Reckoning, but <laughs> for the comics, that one is up there. So how about you, Dane? What's your favorite Robin story? Uh, probably, I'm with you guys, uh, Dark Victory. Um, but with that aside, I would probably say uh, Battle for the Call. <laughs> because, really? because yeah, I mean, I I know it started off like really, really terribly <laughs> with like Grand Goodness and uh, uh, Dark Side's minions and stuff like that. But yeah, just the whole thing with Tim and uh, Damien and Jason and how they fight and seeing Jason as uh, as a Batman is pretty cool. So <laughs> he did um, a cool outfit, yeah. And even though it's Tony Daniel. Still, I still like it. <laughs> Give a props for it's due, I guess. <laughs> I can't. So nobody here is going to pick Batman and Robin and Batman Forever? <laughs> I, I, I debated it, but I just, still just couldn't get there. No, I was talking about that with my boss today. I was like, I remembered it being on TV before Christmas, and I put it on thinking, it surely this can't be as bad as I remember. But it was. <laughs> yeah. It really was. <laughs> I mean, you got to, for Batman Forever, anyway, you got to say, well, at least I kind of got the origin story right for him, but then when he's, like, what, 25 years old? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Bruce takes him in, like, no, that doesn't quite work. And why did they throw his brother in part of the family? That added absolutely nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. So, do, do you guys know how old Chris O'Donnell was when he took that role? Had to be somewhere in his 20s, I would think. Yeah. Mid to late 20s, right? Yeah. I remember reading, too, that I was like, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard read a several times that uh, Christian Bale actually auditioned for that or was up for it. Yeah, I've heard that, too, yeah. It says that Chris O'Donnell's 42 years old. He was born in 1970. So what year did Batman Forever come out? 95. 95. So he was 25 when that came out? <laughs> yeah, so he was 25, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'd heard Christian Bale. And then if you see the behind-the-scenes on um, – the the uh, like director's cut DVD or the the DVD set that came out they they mentioned that um, some of the other actors like every actor in England like went out for it so um, that Judd Law uh, is one of the ones they mentioned and the other guy the Irish guy who I can't think of his name who's in Total Recall what was his name Colin Farrell Colin Farrell yeah they said Colin Farrell you know auditioned for that role and everything so. Yeah, it was a – a lot of people could have been in that role. <laughs> well, they dodged the bullet. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Chris, o, Chris O'Donnell could have been in uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> been a little different, yeah. Oh, man. But um, I guess the other thing I want to ask you guys is just the fact that there has been so many different Robins over the years. Is that something that you guys kind of like, or do you wish that – one Robin, like if it was Dick Grayson or Tim Drake or whatever, would say that 
stay as Robin for a long time, if not permanently. What's your thought on having like this revolving door for Robins? I I like it. Um, you know, I'm uh, I kind of like it. it's kind of like each generation has their Robin, and they can kind of tweak it to what's going on and with the, like young people and what's hip and like um like on the Batman. I kind of like that Robin, and they added a lot more with him playing video games and having a jet pack. And so I kind of like how they kind of re reinvent and reintroduce, you know, a Robin every now and again. And sometimes they'll use a, a completely different character like a Tim Drake or a Jason Todd or Stephanie Brown or Damian Wayne, or sometimes they'll just kind of use Dick Grayson again, but just sort of revamp them for the, for the times. Um, Cause there's definitely a difference between, you know, Adam West and, uh, What's his face? Uh, Ward. Um, Burt Ward. Burt Ward. I want to call him Bruce Ward for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, Burt Ward's Robin. He was very 1960s, you know, and then you look at the uh, Dick Grayson from the Batman animated series. He's very much a 90s kind of kid and then very 21st century in the Batman. So, you know, I, I like it. What do you think, Laura? Sorry, I was going to ask That was actually quite good. No, um, yeah, I like it as well. I like as Trent said, it is kind of nice that each generation can have their own kind of Robin. Plus, each Robin kind of has their own thing as well. Like, uh, Dick Grayson's like the original, and then Jason's kind of the one with the kind of shady past and becomes back and is the kind of anti-hero. Then Tim's got more smarts than the physical attributes. And then, who am I missing out? <laughs> Stephanie, in a short time, has a little dip in the costume. And plus she was a female Robin, which is kind of nice. And then Damien just being the kind of bratty, kind of one you want to hate but can't quite hate. I got, I got, I got, I got my God. The <laughs> <laughs> words just like, got mixed up. I, I really like that there's um, so many. Plus, with the different personality aspects, um, they can kind of, it can kind of appeal different people so you can kind of you can choose your favorite Robin which is kind of nice for people just getting into comics yeah I think up to now I think it's worked so far especially when you kind of have certain stories like that of the family where we show them all together we see all their different personalities but I think there for me anyway there might have to be a cutoff point where <laughs> you can't yeah, just yeah. keep having new characters come in as Robin because I don't like that whole thing in the new 52 where they say it's like an internship that, that always <laughs> yeah. bugged me yeah so, I mean, we'll see who becomes the next Robin after Damien. My money's on Harper Row, but we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I just think it, this probably should be a cutoff point for whoever is the new Robin stays as Robin for a long time, for at least a decade, I would think, kind of like how Tim Drake was. Instead of just every, like, every two, three years or so, there's going to be a new Robin. So for right now, I think the different Robins has worked, but i like to see it stop for a while just so we can have this kind of a small uh, – members of the Bat Family who were Robin. It just doesn't get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, That's... I'm really hoping they stop because I have um, a tattoo on my arm, which is like I have five little bats on my arm to re- like to represent my like head cannon of like five Robins, as in like Dick, uh, okay. Jason, Tim, Steph, and Damien. And I'm just looking at it thinking, please don't make me any more. <laughs> Not to be adding another one pretty soon, probably, huh? <laughs> Oh, who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How about you, Dane? What do you think of the whole, all these different Robins? Well, I'll tell you what, it really sucked as a kid. Um, <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I remember, like, reading um, 
uh, Death in the Family and being like, is that is that Jason or is that Dick? Because they both look the same. Yeah. I remember being confused about that. And then, okay, who's Tim Drake? And then, uh, who's this Carrie Kelly? And why isn't she part of canon or whatever? You know, so it really sucked as as a kid just remembering all the Robins and what, when they were Robin and uh, how they became Robin and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I would really like to see, like you said, Tim, uh, Robin, maybe Harper O as a Robin for like 10 years or 12 years, because I feel we really need that, especially after Damien being Robin for what, five years or whatever. Yeah, yeah it doesn't <laughs> seem that long, but it actually is. Like, yeah. I think it wasn't 08 or 09. I think it was 08, yeah. I think so. But yeah, it's funny that you said uh, about being confused as a kid with Jason dying and you got Carrie Kelly. Death in the Family was actually how I found out there was another Robin. Because <laughs> I didn't have no idea about Jason Todd until that story came out. And then I was like, oh, okay, so it wasn't Dick Grayson and it wasn't the original Robin. Okay. I'm, I'm not that sad over it now. <laughs> yeah, I had the same exact thing because Death in the Family was my very first comic. My mom took me to the store when I got the trade paperback. I didn't even know about trade paperbacks or issues or anything like that. I just knew some kids in school were saying that Robin got killed. And I hadn't even thought about Batman and Robin because this is like mid-80s. So there was no movies. There was no TV shows. There was no cartoons. I hadn't thought about them in years. It's like, Robin can't be dead. I got I got to read this. I got to read this. And I got it. And I was reading the introduction. And I was very confused of who's, you know, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd. I was asking my mom as if she'd know. I'm like, which one was on the TV show? And she's like, I don't know. And so and then I had to go back and get some issues. And I didn't really even like that story that much. But I just liked the comics. And I started reading. And um, I guess got me hooked. Um, but I did want to mention um, one Robin that I did not like. And uh, maybe you guys think this i think it was dick grayson though but i did not like the way he was portrayed in batman the brave and the bold i don't know if you like really? that one but no i yeah. really like that one yeah. oh you did yeah, yeah. I, I just thought he was kind of too whiny and complaining but i did like his costume because it was based on the the earth 2 pre-crisis robin yeah. which was pretty cool but i did like on batman brave and the bold the one they did the damian wayne yeah, robin yeah, now they had him as bruce and selena kyle's kid and they changed it a little bit but i i really like that one so yeah what I liked about the Dick Grayson in The Brave and the Bold was that it was at that point where he's just about ready to leave, tired of being Robin and his sidekick. Yeah. But, of course, they wouldn't go as uh, dramatic as it was in the animated series. I just thought it was funny how they portrayed him. That, especially that one where you see him riding in that, uh, the sidecar of the Bat Cycle. He just yeah. got shot at him yeah. pouting in there. <laughs> it was funny. It's definitely funny. It's definitely yeah. funny, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But you guys both mentioned Harper Rowe, so you think Damien's going to be dead for a while? Because I, I feel like he'll, he'll only be dead for a couple issues and be back for number 12, you know, the big, but I, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I, that's just my feeling on it. I but hope guys, not, because that'd be, <laughs> again, a waste of one of those typical comic deaths that he doesn't even have time for, for characters to deal with it for that long, and he's just back all of a sudden. I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. But I think he will be back eventually, and it's inevitable with comics. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just hope it's not like he said, what, five issues? <laughs> well, Grant Morrison has always said he was coming back for 12 issues, and it's yeah. a 12-issue arc, and he's got to have something big for issue number 12. So 
And Grant Morrison likes to do that a lot. And he killed Batwoman and then brought her right back in the Lazarus pit. He killed Bruce Wayne and then brought him back through time. He's he's killed a lot of people and brought him back right away. He's killed Animal Man's whole family and brought them back, <laughs> um, which I actually love those issues, so I can't complain. But Grant Morrison's killed a lot of people and brought them right back before. So, but I guess it, it'll be interesting to see. But Harper Rowe would be an awesome Robin. That would be re- that would be another generation's Robin. That would yeah. be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that because we were talking. I thought it'd be pretty awesome if she was Robin, just because we have free comic book day and I have to dress up at work. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I could just—I don't even have to dye my hair. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought she'd be kind of cool as a kind of because she's not got the training and the kind of physical strength. So they could kind of make her into a Oracle kind of esque character since yeah. she's not really existed. I thought she could kind of play that kind of role quite cool, but. We'll see. Either way. Yeah, hopefully she'll last longer than Stephanie Brown, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I guess that's it for our tribute to the Robins in honor of the passing of Damien Wayne. Oh, Damien. (laughs) All right, so with that, um, that leads us into our first piece of news, which is uh, the new lineup for Batman. And uh, I guess whoever is going to be... (laughs) whoever's going to take his place Um, so for number 19 we have Batman and Red Robin which you know is obvious Uh, number 20 we have Batman and Red Hood number 20 21 we have Batman and Batgirl 22 we have Batman and Catwoman and 23 we have Batman and Nightwing so um, do you guys think that this this whole Batman and whomever is going to work I don't know well one thing's obvious, uh, we won't be getting a new Robin for a few issues anyway, having all these different characters in the Batman and Robin title, so we probably won't find out who's going to take over the mantle of Robin for a while. But I don't know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hit and misses in these issues. Uh, I'm not counting on Batman and Catwoman to be that great going up past Catwoman stories. But uh, I think definitely the best one, of course, would probably be Batman and Nightwing and the Batman and Red Robin and Red Hood, just because they were all past Robins and they were kind of see how they deal with uh, Damien's passing. So those are the ones I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I mean, if you do the math, it, the, the, these issues come right out at the same time, and they end at uh, Batman and uh, Batman Incorporated number 12. So it could be Damien back, at, or it could be somebody else, you know, <laughs> uh, conspiracy theory. But um, <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, Marvel Comics had uh, – an that um, run of Captain America and and they had, you know, Captain America with teaming up with uh, various people and that was kind of successful. So this could be sort of like uh, the old uh, Brave and the Bold, which Brave and the Bold was always Batman teamed up with somebody. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think these will be pretty interesting. I'm, I'm kind of I'd really like to see the uh, Batman and Red Hood uh, because it's they've they've definitely retconned a lot with the Red Hood. And I'd like to see, you know, what his new direction is. And I think Batman and Batgirl will be good because she seems to have been the most affected by the whole death of the family storyline and had the most kind of going on and the most reason to be really mad at Bruce for not telling them that possibly the Joker knew who he was. So that should be a pretty good issue. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also pretty happy that we have Gleason on art because he draws them pretty well because when we had that whole crossover issue with all the Robins and against Damien or Damien against all of the other Robins so there's hope 
for the books that don't have great art to actually have an issue of great art. So I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, um, I see a good Catwoman drawing. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking we, we might actually get a good Catwoman story here, maybe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but um, I'm hoping it should be pretty good. Whether it will or not will be a whole completely different story, I suppose. We'll see. Yeah, what do you guys think about Batman number 18, or Batman and Robin number 18 being all silent? I mean, it's it's going to have to really depend on uh, Gleason's art for yeah. that one, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> What do you guys think? Oh, I, I thought it was kind of neat because I thought that's a that's a really nice way to follow on from like Damien's death. But it kind of like they're putting a risk out there. But then again, um, Papula and Snyder did that when they had that maze issue with the court of owls, where everyone thought it was a, uh, the printing gone wrong. I think. Yeah. But um, um, I think it will work pretty well if Gleason's art really does stand up, which it has so far. But not having Damien in it could really impact on the book. But man, this next month is going to be like the most depressing month reading Batman books because <laughs> they're just all sad. Yeah. I'm just kind of wondering what the setting is going to be for the issue. Is it going to be like Bruce walking around Wayne Manor or like in the Batcave? Or are we going to see all the Bat family members in different areas without any dialogue, just showing each different one how they're coping with Damien's death? So that's what I'm most curious about, just to see yeah. what the setting of the actual issue is going to be. Yeah, um, it'll be cool. There was a issue of uh, going way back in the 90s of Guy Gardner comics. Uh, I think it was the third issue. That was a completely silent issue. I think he said two words at the end. And I didn't even realize it as I read it. They they drew it so well. And it was Guy Gardner number three from God only knows when. Uh, no, ni- December 1992. I had to look it up. And I didn't even realize it was silent until they got all the way to the end. They did such a great job with the art and the storytelling um, so, and I have, I have a feeling Gleason, um, will be just as good. Um, the, I'm sure a lot of people will pick it up in the comic store, look through it in five minutes and then <laughs> put it yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> They'll have to bag that one or something. But, um, no, it should be, it should be pretty cool. And one of the things I really liked back in the, um, eighties when I started reading comics was, um, the issues after death in the family after Jason died, they really dealt with how Bruce was dealing with Jason and they, they, he got darker and edgier and they did a lot of really good issues on that. Um, and it was kind of, he was kind of sinking into an abyss. He was really, you know, um, headed for self-destruction and just terrible. And it was really Tim Drake kind of realizing that coming in, pulling him out of it and then becoming the next Robin. Uh, and so they, they really did a great job, back then with that whole story arc with Bruce. So hopefully we'll see kind of the same great storytelling coming from this. All right. So our next piece of news is a Justice League rumor that, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, uh, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale uh, might be involved with the new Justice League movie. What do you guys think about that? I just hope this rumor is true for what they, I mean, right when I read it, I was like, oh man, this is the best way DC, if they want to compete with Marvels and the Avengers, this is what they're going to have to do to have Nolan be involved and have Batman from his movies be part of the Justice League. I mean, that's even more exciting than having all those solo Marvel superhero movies team up for one big one, having the Christian Bale Batman in a movie with uh, Henry Cavill's new Superman and then whoever else is going to be in the movie. It would just be amazing. 
So I, for one, really hope it's true. And at the same time, though, really curious to see if, what Nolan's going to have to say about this. As far as explaining as far as all the st- stuff he's said in the past, as far as my Batman movies are in its own separate universe, there's no other superheroes, Batman is the first. And just how he's going to say what happens to Bruce Wayne after the end of Dark Knight Rises with that, how that ended with him passing the mantle on to John Blake and him being retired again. So if it does end up being true, just, I'm really excited for it, but at the same time curious to see how no one's going to explain all of it. But I think this is just what the Justice League movie needs to get more good feedback and like positive vibes towards it because everything so far has been negative and negative. And if this is, ends up being true with Nolan involved, it's, I think it's just what it needs to get for me and would have my excitement back up for it. So, yeah, I really hope it pans out. Do you guys really think that this will work, though? That's what I'm curious about. I mean, it's going to be awesome yeah. to see Christian Bale back as Batman as part of the Justice League, but story-wise, yeah, I'm just real curious to see how it'll work. <laughs> well, that, you know, I'll jump in here, because I actually completely disagree with you, Tim, and you probably will, will hate me for this, <laughs> create all kinds of tension on the show, but I... Hope these rumors are not true. I have a feeling they're not. Uh, and Christopher Nolan is doing a new movie for 2014 called Interstellar. So if they are true, it'll be a few years before it comes out um, or comes in, or especially if he's directing it. But well, I, that's the thing. I don't think he's no way he's going to direct it. He's just going to be the producer and kind of oversee it. Like no way is he directing yeah. it. I, I, well, I, first of all, I think the only way Christian Bale would come back is if Nolan was directing it or if he could convince him. But Chris, uh, Christian Bale's only going to come back for a huge payday. So, yeah. uh, and, you know, he, he's going to get a lot, he's going to get, you know, um, Iron Man kind of money, you know, um, and he deserves it. I mean, the last two yeah. movies made over a billion dollars worldwide. So, but, um, I, I kind of don't want to see a Christopher Nolan Justice League movie. Uh, I think it, it'd be a little too dark and a little too adult. I think a Justice League movie needs to be a little more, fun and a little more lighthearted, kind of like the Avengers a bit. Uh, Nolan, what Nolan's great at is character development. You know, um, Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne doesn't put on the Batman suit for like an hour into Batman Begins. And even in the Dark Knight, there is a lot of Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and not as just as Batman. There's probably more Bruce Wayne, you know, in this, in his trilogy, than, you know, Batman and any other superhero kind of genre movie. So it'd be hard for me to see how Christopher Nolan could do all that great character development for all the characters in the Justice League. I'd actually, I'd rather see him just do a world's finest movie. I'd rather him just do Christian Bale and Henry Cavill and do a Batman Superman, because that's the big draw, whether yeah, Flash is in right. it or not. Or, you know, I wouldn't mind Wonder Woman, too. He could, he could do a, a, um, a Trinity movie, which would be cool, and then introduce Wonder Woman and have some time. But I'd really like to see Nolan, if he's going to do a superhero, have the time to do that character development like he did with Bruce Wayne and really have us invested in build up and you know stick a stapler behind Jim James Gordon's head and say now we're two like that, those moments are the ones that really you just add to it that by the time he's put on the suit you're so bought into the person the thing that would bother me if he brought Christian Bale back would be I, I like the closure at the end of the last movie so it would bother me how could he do that to Alfred again? I mean, poor Alfred crying all the time and he doesn't want him to be Batman. Now he's going to be Batman again on the poor guy, you know, and then the whole thing with Selena Kyle, 
is I'd like to know because I would hate if they just didn't have Catwoman in the movie or they wrote her off or she dies in like the first five minutes and this motivates him to put back the cow or something. Like I like, I, I love Catwoman so much in that movie. She is so great that she needs to be a part of it. Like one of the things I hated in um, Batman Returns was Vicky Vale was just like not in it. And he's like, oh, yeah, we broke up. Like you had all this emotional investment in Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne in the first movie and all them getting together. And you watch the second and it's just all gone. It's all just start from scratch. So I would hate to see, you know, that ending with Bruce happy and Selena wearing his mother's pearls and all that. You know, where would how would he take that? Um, I'd almost rather see, you know, Blake be the Batman in it um, if he was going to do a Justice League film, uh, which would probably it's not going to be the home run automatic, you know, that it's a Christian Bale return would be. But um, if it got announced and it wasn't a rumor, I would have faith in Christopher Nolan because everything he's ever done has been top quality. But um, until these rumors are confirmed or somebody comes out, then it'll just be fun to just kind of speculate and imagine what a Christopher Nolan serious Justice League movie would be. Yeah, well, uh, if they are true, I think a big telling as far as what we can expect for Justice League would be how Man of Steel is, the tone of that movie. Because that's going to have Nolan producing it, but yet Zack Snyder is director and he's probably going to have his own feel on the movie that's going to be a little different from Nolan. So I think that'll be a definite sign of things to come for Justice League if these rumors end up being true, just to see how the tone of Man of Steel is. And seeing what the box office for Man of Steel yeah. is. Yeah. You know, because on that article uh, from the Latino Review, which the video where these rumors came from, the guy even mentions like, oh, they've got another billion dollar franchise, you know, ready to go. It's like Superman hasn't made a dollar yet, so let's see what that is before and Warner Brothers does anything. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, this is exactly like they want to compete with uh, Marvel and Disney. I mean, they got Avengers. Now they're having Star Wars coming out. This is DC's and Warner Brothers' best chance to compete with that, having Christian Bale back and having to tie in with the Nolan universe, a well-established franchise that's going to continue on into the Justice League. I just think it makes perfect sense from Warner Brothers' sides to do this, and I would expect them to pay whatever they need to pay the Chris Nolan or Christian Bale because I'm sure to get them on board if this is true they had to pay them a lot but I think it's their best shot to compete with what Disney and Marvel are doing with their Avengers so if they have something else in mind uh, how to compete with them I'd like to see it and see how it's successful it is but this is their best shot to me yeah, you make it sound so like it's a, such a desperate situation yeah. I mean it kind of is though. yeah it's kind of is yeah good point good point I mean we've heard all these negative Justice League rumors and these scripts being thrown out, and I'm hearing also part of the thing that maybe David Goria might be involved in the story aspect. So, I mean, just in the past, it's been such a mess, and I think this is exactly what they need to do for it to be successful. I think they should scrap all of it and just make Jonah X Part Two. <laughs> they can make Jonah X, but they can't make a Justice League movie. It's like, how does that happen? Yeah. Or, or at least a Flash or Wonder Woman movie. Come on. Yeah. You would think Flash would be the easiest one to make because it has a following. The effects of somebody running fast are not that hard to do. I mean, Smallville did it pretty good on a um, on a television budget, and you know the story's kind of built in. But I guess I think. You know, if, if Green Lantern would have made money, you, we'd have a Flash movie this summer. Oh, definitely. But, they even yeah. said before Green Lantern came out that they were writing, the Flash script was in development already. 
Yeah, well, Green Lantern had the horrible weekend box office wise, is they didn't announce anything and they haven't heard anything since that. So they're just scared. Well, I mean, at least they tried, right? With the Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. They tried, and even though it was a failure uh, financially, they sh- they should try again. Don't get scared and not do any other superhero movie and just rely on Batman and Superman. That's the annoying part that they're yeah. just yeah. afraid to try anything else now. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After that depressing little segment there, I guess we can move on to some good news, I guess. If you're into uh, music, uh, the <laughs> um, PV announced that um, they're going to have a DC comic superhero instrument and accessory line um, that they're going to be coming out with. And I can't see the pictures, but... Right now, the only I saw there's a, like a Joker one. And there's a black guitar. Yeah. Like it has some bat. I think it's a Batman one. But the Joker one looks pretty cool. I mean, they're supposed to have like Superman and Green Lantern one that I really want to see, but I haven't seen pictures of those yet. Right. But I think they look cool though. So, cars. so are you picking this up, Tim? <laughs> I'd like to say yes, but <laughs> I probably won't. They came out with some cool Star Wars guitars too that I wanted to get but never did. That like one with Stormtrooper decals on there and Darth Vader. They looked awesome, right. but yeah, I couldn't afford them. <laughs> But uh, the thing that gets me about these, that the company PV, they're not known for making guitars and instruments. They're mainly known for, like, their amplifiers and stuff, which is the only thing I've ever bought from them. So I'm not sure how the quality of the guitar actually is. It's not like a Fender or a Gibson, or you know it's a good brand. But um, they look cool anyway, but <laughs> not sure how they're actually going to be as actual instru- instruments. But and the article, well, well, I mean, if, if you're unsure about uh, their guitars, you can always get their... Guitar picks and straps featuring DC comic superheroes and villains such as Aquaman and the Joker, as well as Watchmen. And I was going to ask, because the article says that they're coming out with a half-size acoustic guitar and a three-quarter size electric guitar. Uh, is that more because it's designed for kids, or do people play, like, half-size guitars or just want to feel big or something? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're. I'm, I'm not sure if they are marketing for kids, but there are different okay. sizes of guitars that, that are out there to play. So, but you don't really see it too often. <laughs> yeah, people are really picky about what equipment and what guitar yeah. and stuff. So I don't think they'll buy it just because it's got something cool, you know, painted on it like the Joker or Batman. But I, I the picks and the straps will probably sell huge. Definitely. I could, you know, people will buy those like crazy. Well, I mean, do people just buy guitars just to hang them on their walls? I mean, they don't play or anything. I mean, I'm sure there's people that do yeah, that, right? Sure is, yeah. So, I mean, it would be good to, like, hang on your wall if you have the money for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be even cooler, though, when you're playing a concert and you're using a Batman or a Joker guitar. How cool would that look? <laughs> All right. Anyways, I guess we can move on to our listener feedback section. And, uh, Terrence, did you want to take this? Yeah, sure. We we got some good feedback this week. As I mentioned at the, the beginning of the uh, podcast, my mom is now a listener, and she said she enjoyed the fact that we can uh, disagree on things, but we don't yell and scream at each other and argue. <laughs> we, we agree to disagree. So so thanks, Mom, for listening. Um, we also got an email um, from Taylor, and Taylor wanted to know our thoughts on whether a superhero or Batman could exist in the real world. And um, I'll give you my thoughts, and then I'll throw it out to you guys. And I kind of don't think that that could really happen, and that's one of the reasons to um, we enjoy l- reading the comics, because it is not real world. I think if somebody really had the motivations 
that, you know, Bruce Wayne had, they would try to join the police force or try to join the army or become a doctor or something a little more realistic than put on a cape and uh, jump out there. I, it, it does surprise me that no one has been, like, arrested for trying to be a, <laughs> a superhero or got caught. There's but that I, one guy in Seattle. I forget his name, though. Oh, really? There was? Yeah, he had a kind of like a... This is a cheap costume, though, but yeah. I was blanking on his name, though. But he got, like, he tried to interfere with the police, like, arresting or something like that. He had to be pepper spray. He got, like, signed <laughs> a ticket or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I did think that the movie, I never read the comic, but the movie Kick-Ass, maybe about the first hour or so of that, I thought was kind of realistic, where it's just a kid and he orders some cheesy thing off the internet to wear, like a scuba gear, and then he ends up getting stabbed and in the hospital. And uh, everything after the hospital was, I think, kind of far-fetched. But I'll throw it out to you guys. What do you think? A superhero in the real world? Yeah, I think there was a guy recently, like last week, where he, um, I can't remember what he did, but like he caught like a bank robber or something and he, he dropped them off at the police station. And yeah, he was dressed as Batman. For a little while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was in England, wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. His yeah, costume was... wasn't very good, though. But... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but anyways, um, Tim, did you want to take this one first? Yeah, I think technically, yeah, it is possible, but all the right circumstances have to be in place like for how Bruce Wayne is. I mean, you have to have first the desire and determination to do it, but then the hardest part, you have to have the money to do it, what Bruce was able to do as Batman. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, anyone can probably have the desire and the training to and spend half their life training for it, but you're definitely going to need the money to kind of do what Batman has to do. So I think technically it is possible, but you're probably not ever going to see that in real life because just so many things have to work out in your favor as far as having financially and everything. So I think it is possible, but it's not going to happen. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I think it is possible, but as Tim said, I don't think it will ever happen just because we live in such a digital world that I'm sure people will screen cap someone's face and they go hey wait he looks like so and so and you'd be able to tell straight away who they were pretty much and plus like as you said you'd probably get arrested within like a week or so plus i'd rather not jump off a 50-story building with a zipper <laughs> <laughs> if i'm honest but if some people want to do that you go ahead sure plus um thankfully we don't have anyone like the Joker. Well, not that's out there poisoning the water supply and yeah. whatnot. So, so at the moment we don't need a Batman, but who knows? It could happen, but. Yeah, in real life, most billionaire families don't take shortcuts through Crime Alley at night. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, Alfred comes and picks them up. So yeah. Yeah, or, or they have security guards, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we also got another email from uh, Alex. And Alex's email basically is kind of what our topic of discussion was. So he kind of uh, read our, our mind. He, he said, for the last one, another great episode. Uh, and uh, he was happy to see Damien go down as a, a champ fighting um and his questions were basically what do we think about robin and our favorite robin characters and stories so um and we kind of answered that on the um the opening um of the show but i want to thank alex because alex always sends an email after every um uh bat fans podcast and so we appreciate him listening and uh that's our feedback so if you want to uh send us a, a question or a comment 
about anything we talked about or anything you'd like to know about Batman, um, or if you have any questions for my mom and what she did wrong <laughs> in raising me, and I'm <laughs> spending my Saturdays talking about Batman, uh, just send us an uh, email at batfans27, uh, B-A-T-F-A-N-S 27 at gmail.com, or you can, I guess, uh, leave a comment on uh, the uh, host site, the uh, batmanuniverse.net as a comment section. A few of my friends listened to this last week or the other week and they said that by the end of it I started turning American. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't notice but I pick up accents without realising so sorry. <laughs> We're corrupting your accent already. Alright, so I guess um that'll take us into our new feature, which is kind of like a versus thing. It could be any Batman from any uh, generation or age or whatever um, versus somebody else. So it could be Batman versus uh, the Dick Grayson Robin or Batman versus Granny Goodness or <laughs> whoever. <laughs> that might and it doesn't Batman. have to necessarily be... Yeah, right. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Batman. It could be, um, I don't know, Joker versus Alfred or something like that. Um, so for this week, we have the all-star Batman and Robin, Batman, versus Hush. Hush from, of course, the uh, Hush Lord Land. Um, so, Terrence, who do you think w- would win in this fight? Yeah, I was thinking of all these crazy combinations we could do. I want to do Doomsday versus Crazy Quilt next, but um, <laughs> how quickly does Crazy Quilt, you know, get smeared? But all right, I know it's Batman, and we should pick Batman. But I'm gonna go with Hush for this one. Now, I love both. I actually enjoy the Bat- All Star Batman. I feel like I have to apologize for liking that because everybody hates it. But I, I like that, and I love the Hush storyline. I haven't read either one in a long time, but um, I'm gonna go with Hush. Just because Hush was like the ultimate planner and schemer and trap setter, and he would set such elaborate setups and traps for that for Batman to walk into. And while Batman is preoccupied with all this other stuff that Batman has to do, um, Hush has got that all set up for him. Where All Star Batman is much more of sort of a brute, much more of a Neanderthal Batman, just you know rushes right in headlong. Um, although he does do some planning, I guess in the um, Green Lantern issue with the the yellow room and all that, but I just kind of I kind of see All Star Batman being more of a brute, rushing in headlong and not even seeing the trap that Hush has set for him. So I am going to give the first round to Hush. Yeah, I would also agree with that because I think the All Star Batman is I mean he thrives off of just sheer brutality, so I don't think he would put the thought into actually making a plan. He would just, like you said, Terrence, just rush in and just try to take down Hush. Um, but, Tim, what do you think? Well, at first, I really wanted to say all-star Batman just because Jim Lee's design of him is so cool. <laughs> but um, I'm going to have to agree with you guys that it's kind of what you said, Terrence, about Hush. And then I actually haven't read all of all-star Batman and Robin, so I'm not too familiar with that Batman except for the first few issues, so I don't have too much to base off of. But just like we said with Hush being an expert planner and how he was able to get all those villains involved in his first story, I would think he'd, I'd probably have to give him the edge as well, even though Jim Lee's Batman looks awesome. I hate to see him lose, but <laughs> I'll go with Hush. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I'd say Hush as well. I mean, I, I really did want to say All-Star Batman, 
But then you guys have pretty much convinced me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Hush as well. You know, in All Star Batman, you know, Hush can just wait till he's making out with uh, Black Canary and <laughs> tasting her cigar her cigar breath and just <laughs> go up and get him. So. <laughs> With their masks on. We leave the masks on. Yeah, I think they said, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, man, I, I did not expect us to all agree on yeah, that one. But <laughs> we've got to agree on something. We don't have to yell um, at each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I think for next week, our... Our uh, matchup is going to be uh, KG Beast versus uh, Mr. Freeze. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. And also, too, for... Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to say, say it, Dane. Uh, uh, like <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get first. <laughs> I don't know if you were going to say it right there or not, Dave, but did you want to, you want to mention to have all the listeners leave us, either send an email, leave a comment as to who they think would win? Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, uh, give us a matchup if you have a good one. Yeah, I was just going to say, really? Because I'm going to miss Crazy Quilt quite a bit in there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I guess with that, uh, that's going to lead us into our comic book reviews. Um, And like we say on the top of the show, or on top of the comic book reviews, if you haven't read um, any of the comics from the last two weeks, you may want to come back to this point and listen to this because we're going to spoil the crap out of them, right, Tim? Yes, we will. You have been warned. <laughs> so if you haven't read the comics, you haven't seen what's been going on on the internet, you don't have a computer, you don't have a smartphone, you don't... Well, I mean, how, how are you listening to this? One <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> of their friends but, uh, told them about it, yeah. Yeah, if, if you haven't... Uh, if you haven't read the comics, you might want to come back to this section later. So for this episode, uh, we're going to be covering the weeks of February 27th and March 6th. For February 27th, we have Batman Inc. number 8, Batman the Dark Knight number 17, and that's it for that week. Uh, for March 6th, we have Detective Comics number 18 and Batwing number 18. And for this episode, our, our uh, rating scale is going to be the spoilers that DC leaks before the comic comes out. Uh, so for February 27th, Tim, where do you want to start us off at? Well, let's start with the big one where our rating scale is based off of Batman Inc. number 8. So, <laughs> I overall really love this issue. I thought it was a great final issue for Damien to be in, despite uh, everyone pretty much knowing what was going to happen to him before we read it. But um, even knowing that, though, I thought the issue was really enjoyable. I even liked how it was titled uh, The Boy Wonder Returns, but yet it ends with Damien, uh, with Damien's death. But um, just seeing Damien kind of save everyone, we see him first flying off to help Dick Grayson and uh, Jim Gordon from the, that mob who's now under control from Leviathan. And then we see him rescue Tim Drake, who's uh, saving that woman in that building where uh, all the member workers there are under control from Leviathan. They just start shooting out them, and then Damien comes in and takes them all out. Even like how, because uh, in the last issue we see that even little kids were attacking them under Leviathan's control and like Nightwing wasn't really doing anything to him because they were kids but Damien has no problem with that we see him take him out and then electrify electrocutes them but probably my favorite part of the issue is just the dialogue that Damien and Dick have I'm so glad that Grant Morrison had one final interaction between these two characters because like I mentioned I think last week or last episode 
was that it seems that in the New 52, there's not too much mention of Dick's time as Batman and his partnership with Damien as Robin. And I'm just really glad uh, Damien actually mentioned that. He actually said, I thought, uh, you've been my favorite partner to Dick Grayson. I just love that because I think in a sense that was the best team up. Dick as Batman and Damien as Robin worked a lot better than uh, Bruce as Batman and Damien as Robin because just recently they just started to kind of accept each other as partners and they finally had that respect. But it seems like from the get-go, Dick and Damien always had that respect for each other. So I'm glad they had that yeah, last interaction. Can, can I ask you so, or all of you guys something? Um, do you th- do you guys think that Damien knew he was going to die when he was going in there? Because he says something like, we were the best Robins or something. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Because when he's fighting the, his clone version of himself, he's asking, mm-hmm. like, Talia, call him off. Like, like let me try to get through to Talia. Like, he's trying to get to Talia, and he's, but he's fighting this clone of his, and he's kind of, in a sense, almost begging Talia to call him off. And so I didn't think he was planning on dying just from that. From that fight he had with him. No, no, I meant like, do do you think he knew he was gonna die, like leaving Wayne Manor? Oh no, I don't think so. I think Damien's too oh. confident for himself <laughs> to be killed. I actually think the opposite. I, I actually thought he, I thought he knew he was going to die, and like I said earlier, I thought you know I think he's coming back in issue twelve. I could be dead wrong, but I thought this is sort of his only way out of this whole situation, this whole thing that Talia has created. The only way out is for him to die or be take over, you know, Raja Ghul's mantle and rule the world. So I think it's some kind of setup that, you know, his death. And but um, yeah, I'll let you continue, Tim. But yeah, to answer your question, uh, yes, especially when he's talking to Dick there, I, I really got the sense that he knew this was the end. Yeah, I could see. I guess I could see that, but I still under the impression that he wasn't planning on dying when he left the Batcave, but. That's just me. But uh, I thought the fight sequence that he had with this clone was just really cool. I mean, he got he got some good shots in him, and, of course, he got taken out pretty rough, too. I mean, he almost uh, he did a, a Bane move on him where it looked like he broke his back on his knee. And then just the final blow that he had, just, uh, <laughs> it looked awful. But um, probably the one complaint I have with the issue was that I wish um, his death in this fight he's having was where Batman and Talia were able to see it. See what's going on. Maybe Talia was using this as a way to torment Batman, where there was nothing he could do to help Damien, and he saw him die. But um, the, other than that, I thought it played out really good. I just thought that kind of Bruce and Talia should have been there for this moment. I was also liked how um, it actually showed Talia for a second there, had a little remorse and showed some emotion for her son being killed. Because the way she's talking to Batman, calling Damien a failure, he didn't think she cared about him at all. But I thought. The last panel, we see her shed a tear. She said, it's just one moment of weakness. So it showed she had a little remorse, which I thought was good. And just that last panel, I mean, it's that classic Batman and Robin death shot where he's holding no one. He does that a lot these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I really like the issue, despite being spoiled on it. But So I'm going ahead and give it four and a half uh, DC spoilers, or spoilers that DC leaks before the comic comes out. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Even though, you know, it, it pretty bummed me out because I was like, oh, Damien. Even though, you know, we all knew it was coming. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good tie-up to uh, Ink, so far, at least. And uh, I kind of liked, as Tim said, with um, Talia showing that bit of remorse. That was kind of nice. But um, I don't know, the one of Death and Damien, I was a bit 
mixed on because it was like supposed to be some Grant Morrison kind of hyped it up to be a big heroic death kind of thing, but it didn't feel that heroic as to uh, how it could have been played out. And it felt really, really brutal to me that like reading some of it, I kind of got put off by the fact that he was actually dying as to the fact that they were brutally killing a 10-year-old. But overall, I've, I really did enjoy it, even though, you know, Damien's gone. And I'm going to miss him very much. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I'd probably give it, um, what is it, four spoilers that DC will release before. I've completely forgot. <laughs> He almost had it just before the comic comes out. There we go. Thanks. That's it. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> um, Terrence, what did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. Uh, I, I read the ending, uh, or what would happen to Damon anyway, on the internet uh, beforehand. And I kind of, before I read the issue, I, I felt like it was a little cheesy that they were killing him. It almost felt like I wondered if Grant Morrison was upset because, you know, Scott Snyder has kind of taken over his role as like the Batman guru. I mean, a year ago, everything was Grant Morrison. And for years, Grant Morrison was the Batman guy. And now everything is, you know, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and death of the family. And I didn't know if, you know, Grant Morrison was planning on this and it was part of his story, or this was just like the big shocking thing he could do to get the spotlight back on him after reading the story, I kind of felt that this was probably more his story and what he wanted to do and not just something to grab the headlines. Um, right in the beginning, one thing I wanted to mention, because last, uh, last podcast, Tim had mentioned that he thought it was kind of cheesy how Dick Grayson went down so quick to those kids, like, beating him up. Yeah. And uh, this issue kind of clarified that, I thought, a little bit. If you look at it, it looks more like Dick is just trying to block and defend himself and uh, – Commissioner Gordon too. They're, they, you know, Dick could take these kids out, but he yeah. doesn't want to beat up a bunch of six-year-olds. Except so it, there was that one panel in the last issue where you saw him on the ground, where it looked like he was knocked out. <laughs> yeah, that's what got me. <laughs> they retcon that in one month, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that I like. I, I, what I liked in this issue too, um, I liked the escape artist nature of Batman. I liked how it had all the Robins except for Jason Todd. But I, I like the Tim Drake stuff, which is kind of weird because the Tim Drake stuff um, is done by a different artist. If you look, it has um, – where is it here? It says uh, Jason Masters did it, pages six through nine. And I don't know if that was just because Chris Burnham had a lot to do in this issue because uh, there is a lot of art. It's really dense and um, really great. But Or I don't know if that was kind of maybe a rewrite at the last minute. And so – um, but, but either way, I don't think it changed maybe that much of the story, but the art was fantastic. I loved, um, the interaction with, uh, Dick and Damien, like you said, and I did, I did get the feeling that Damien knew that this was the end. And, um, I know in the, the upcoming Batman and Robin, it's going to be a silent issue. And I read somewhere that they were going to try to do the uh, seven stages of grief throughout the issue. So I, I, I might just be in the stage of denial right there. But I'm still, I'm still not buying the whole Damian Wayne death. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's some kind of part of the plan for Talia and um, something, something to do with it. And I might just be in denial, but I do feel like he'll be back. But um, we'll see. Uh, and then I, I love the the panel layouts too. The it, 
it starts off a little bit more traditional, but it gets on it. It gets more and more of a, a, a sporadic and, and angles and all over. There's the one scene where I had to look up his name, but Damien's clone, it, it says he's the Hederic, and he kind of he says break and kind of breaks Damien over his knee, just kind of like Bane. Um, and then there's some really great artwork there. And then the, the final scene there with uh, his arm on fire and the, the sword through Damien is really fantastic artwork. Um and so I'm I'm really excited to see where what DC does with this and where it goes with it. Um I'm glad it got a lot of press and hopefully it'll bring in a whole bunch of new readers. People will pick up the, the this issue and some other issues. Um and um so I would give this issue four and a half out of five spoilers, DC leaks before the issue comes out, including the upcoming spoiler that Stephanie Brown will be the new crazy quilt. I don't know if you guys have heard that. But <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, no, I'm just making that up. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, heard it here. yeah. yeah. I pretty much agree with you guys. Um, I thought this was a good issue. The, my, my only complaint is that it felt rushed at the end. Yeah, I see what you mean. It I felt like that a little too. Yeah, like, uh, there was so much build-up to it, uh, you know, with Damien rescuing Dick and, um, and Tim, and then the whole stuff with Batman and that, um, that safe. <laughs> it's like, how did they get him in there? Well, since this is your first issue, you have to go back and read all the other Batman Inc. issues since the New 52. Yeah, 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 I should say that I haven't read Batman Inc. since the third issue of, or before the New 52, so... Um, yeah, my only complaint is that what I felt should have been the central focus of the issue was rushed at the end, and it ends pretty abruptly and kind of stereotypically with Bruce, you know, holding on to Damien. But, um, yeah, I like the issue overall. Um, I haven't read Batman Inc. in a long, long time, so I'm unfamiliar with the storyline, but I thought it was a good issue. So I'm probably going to give this one four out of five, uh... Spoilers that DC will leak before the issue comes out. So I guess that leads us into The Dark Knight number 17. Uh, let's go with Laura. Laura, what did you think about The Dark Knight number 17? I'm kind of, uh, I'm so mixed with The Dark Knight. I go in and out of it as, um, quite often. But I've, I've kind of read this one very quickly on the bus. Um, I enjoyed it because, uh, Mad Hatter's always written kind of he's either hit or miss really and it was kind of nice to see a kind of background on it because you see a bit of his childhood and such which uh, surprisingly wasn't that bad I was expecting a big whole angst going on so that that wasn't as bad but um, the thing that I kind of enjoyed that issue was uh, it had a, a kind of dark humour that was kind of put through to it about um just casually murdering people quite a lot. I was just like, all right, cool, this is cool. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it was paced for right, and then, but, um, I felt the end of it was really quite rushed. It kind of just ended, like, there wasn't a whole tie up, it just kind of was there, and then it just finished, and I was like, oh, well, this is cool. Okay, next. But, um, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm really mixed, uh, I haven't read as you kind of are with, Dark Knight, uh, with Batman Inc., I haven't read the last few issues of uh, Dark Knight, so I jumped in like, okay, this is kind of cool. But um, compared to how I, I felt reading, I think actually reading Batman Inc. before this was probably the worst mistake, because... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm now like, 
what happened because all I can think about is Damien dying. <laughs> but um, what I can remember, I quite enjoyed compared to how I felt when I was reading the old Dark Knight when uh, Finch was on it. But um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd probably give it a wait. I've got this written down. <laughs> uh, three out of five spoilers that uh. DC will leak before the comic comes out. But sadly, I can't give much of a plot thing because I can't remember because all I could think about was Grant Morrison just killed Damian Wayne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought that this um, this issue was one of Greg Hurwitz's best that he's done ever. <laughs> uh, he he kind of hinted at this whole, I don't know what you call it, like a flashback thing where the, the villain becomes tragic with... Of course, the pain and prejudice, and kind of dabbled with that with the scarecrow. But um, I, I, I think overall, like the, the the flashback story was was what made this issue so great because um, I think that Hurwitz does something that you know other comics almost never do, and if they do do that, they um, they just do it wrong. And like I say, he kind of does it with that with that scarecrow arc, and of course the penguin. Uh, miniseries, you know, he he made me want to know what happened to um, to the villain, to Mad Hatter, you know, what twisted him so badly, you know, what made this innocent boy, you know, who had good friends, had good parents, um, had a crush on a girl, what made him the Mad Hatter that we see in the current day, um, you know, was it that Alice girl or his parents or his father's lesson about, you know, striving for for perfection. I mean, what what happened to the Mad Hatter? And I mean, yeah, we, we we've seen this done before with other villains, but I mean, Greg Hurwitz somehow you know did something with his interpretation of Mad Hatter that made me care about his past and want to know how that past plays into the current day. And you know, it's also the same thing with um, with Bruce and you know this Natalia thing, which people. Did, really didn't like. I mean, I've said this before, but I think this um, Natalia thing is com- finally coming to fruition, where we see the emptiness in Bruce's life. I mean, a- Alfred asked him about you know, about Natalia, and he he just coldly blows Alfred off. And you know, like I said, it just goes to show that Bruce has a great emptiness in his life. But yeah, I pretty much liked everything with this issue. I like the story in the cur- current day, and I liked how Hurwitz used Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You know, they're idiots, but, <laughs> but but they can get stuff done. And, you know, seeing Batman show up and, you know, take the kid back made that scene, which is a scene that would have, you know, been one of those scenes where you barely get through a whole lot better. And, um, you know, I, I also really liked Ethan Van Skyver's art. I mean, I didn't like his art previously, especially with the, the extremely tall ears on the cowl, but I have to say that I really dug it. I mean, next to probably Jason Fabok, you know, Ethan Van Skyver is up there. But, of course, no one could beat J.H. Williams III. Um, so I'm probably going to give this one five out of five spoilers that DC will leak before the issue comes out. Nice. I mean, I'm right there with you. I wasn't expecting you to give it a five, but... <laughs> uh, well. I, I really thought this issue was great too. Like you said, Dane, this the flashback sequences of uh, Mad Hatter that we got were real interesting because, like a typical villain flashback story, you're expecting to see, okay, what's the bad thing that happened to his life? When it first started out, we see him at school and there's this bully coming to pick on him. You figure, okay, that's it. But then he has his friends come and defend him and kind of take out that bully and go, oh, come on, Jervis, let's go. 
that was kind of a twist. Like, oh, okay, so maybe his upbringing is going to be bad. His parents are going to be real strict. But no, then we see him have a nice chat with his father in the hat shop. It's like, okay, so <laughs> his childhood has been pretty good so far. So I really liked all that played out. And like you said, what is it that made that's going to make him turn bad into the Mad Hatter? Like what uh, traumatizing thing happened to him? But one theory I had, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but uh, maybe he did have a bad childhood and none of this is true. And maybe this is like he has Alice captured somewhere and this is he has like a hat mind control device on her. Maybe he's using this on her to remember him fondly about a good time they had back together in their youth. That's one theory I had. We'll see if it happens. But it's not like things are going too good for Jervis Tetch in his past for him to become a villain. So I'm really curious oh, to see so, how it's going to happen. So it's more like, yeah, so it's more like he had a crush on the girl, but the girl didn't like him at all. And his parents were abusive to him. Yeah. But he sees it. But uh, I would also say that, like, maybe it's, you know, his father's lesson, you know, striving uh-huh. for perf- perfection. And you know, always being perfect, something like that. But, yeah, I kind of hope that, that I kind of hope that's not the case, and that this really is his childhood, because it would be kind of refreshing to have a villain who didn't have a real horrible childhood and things right. go bad. So we'll see. But I also like real small things on this issue too. There's that conversation Batman's having with Gordon, and then he says something like, "Oh yeah, this is where I turn around and you're gone." And then Batman goes, "Nope, I'm still here." <laughs> I also thought it was cool to. That, uh, the Batwing he's using pretty much right out of the 89 movie, which I think is my favorite uh, Batwing design. <laughs> I thought it was really cool to see that. And like you said, uh, Ethan Van Skyver's art was really good. And I like that. The bigger Batman's ears are, the better to me. <laughs> so uh, I think this one was really good. So overall, really enjoyed the issue. Like what they're doing with Mad Hatter. And just can't wait to see what happens next in the story arc. So I'm going to give it. Four out of five spoilers that DC leaks before the issue comes out. And Terrence, what did you, you think? Yeah, I agree with you guys a lot. Um, I enjoyed this. I didn't really get a chance to read um, Dark Knight uh, 16 too well. I kind of skimmed through it. So I read 16 and st- I read 16 again and then 17 right after it um, and enjoyed it. Uh, I think if I would have read Batman Incorporated 8 right after or before this, I would have had kind of a similar situation as Laura. But I read incorporated eight at like six in the morning as soon as i woke up i downloaded it and read it before work and then this i read at a much normal time in the day uh so i i enjoyed this a lot i love ethan van skyver's art i love the big bat ears i loved a lot of the uh coloring effects like when he was talking to jim gordon with the venetian blinds and the the um the shadowing on batman is really cool uh when i started reading it and they did the flashback scene and the bully comes up and that you know, toxic waste T-shirt, which I love that. That's so weird. Um, I was like, oh, here we go. He's a kid. He gets bullied. He becomes a bad guy. And they did a total twist on it, which I never even thought until Dane and you guys said uh, that this may just be him remembering it differently than it happened. I just thought this was the real flashback of, you know, actually things were good for him and his friend stood up and he met this girl, Alice. And uh, and so I'm kind of curious as to, well, what went wrong and where did it go wrong? Um, and um, it is kind of interesting, the, the psychedelic drug aspect of it with something in the tea with the end at night when he sees all those colors and everything in the sky. And um, so, yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit and uh, I thought the art was fantastic. And I'm kind of really looking forward to see what they do with the Mad Hatter in future issues. So I would give this four and a half spoilers that DC leaks before the issue comes out, including the spoiler that not only are Superman and Wonder Woman and Item and are together, but they'll have a love child who 
who will one day grow up to be the new crazy quilt. So that's, 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 that's I think last week. Yeah. Man, you're on a crazy quilt obsession for this. Episode. I know. Liking it. Liking it. Cheaper. Yeah. All right. So for February, I mean, not, not damn you, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> we were going so well. Is the yelling going to start again? Uh, um, for um, March 6th, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> we have Detective Comics number 18 and Badwig number 18. Um, let's start it off on uh, Detective Comics number 18. Let's go with Terrence. All right. This was another one that I read uh, 17 kind of real quick, and so I went back and read 16 and 17, and having a, a week with only two comics coming out, it was nice to do that and catch up on some other stuff. Um, and, yeah, I quite enjoyed this comic. Um, I thought it was really good. Once again, it has the Penguin, which um, – we know he appears a lot in everything, but his detective is kind of his home, so it was kind of good. And it was kind of, uh, it was kind of a, a turn on the penguin. This Ignatius Oval, the, the, the emperor penguin, if you will, has really taken Penguin's, uh, criminal empire and really kind of kicked him out on the streets and kind of given him a, a little bit of a taste of his own medicine. Uh, and so, um, I really like that kind of aspect and you know, the penguin's not going to stay down for long, you know, he's going to be coming back and, uh, it's really kind of cool, uh, turnabout. They also, um, have another villain in this issue and that was, uh, Zaz, if I say it was Zaz or Zaz, how do you say it? Zaz. Zaz. Zaz, right? I know they mentioned him in Batman Begins. Um, and, um, so that was really cool and I, I like his, his take here because he's not that radically different than um he's he's been portrayed in the past it's just sort of a little kind of artistic de- details i gave him a goatee and a mustache i don't know if he always had a goatee and a mustache but um he did in batman, <laughs> batman begins okay so um uh was called so I, I i really like this issue a lot um and then um the backup issue um was uh i was a little disappointed that it wasn't uh um, the artists who have been doing it before, who I just blanked on his name, I can't remember. Uh, Andy Clark, that's right. It's been Andy Clark, and I really like his art. He had done some Batman and Robin issues, but um, it kind of gave the background story on Zaz and um, uh, I, and why he hates the Penguin so much, and how he got into gambling debts, and uh, the Emperor Penguin giving him his new knife, which kind of almost looks like Italian blade, but I think it's a Penguin. I'm not not really sure. Hopefully, they'll explain that a little bit more. Um, the one thing, and I don't know if you guys noticed it, the, the cover of this issue was a different cover than the solicitations. Uh, the solicitations just had one of the pages where Batman's crashing in on the Penguin, and this cover had a little bit more to do with the death of Robin, and they kind of had a, a scene or two in there about Batman um, lamenting the death of Robin. He's kind of at a gravesite, which I guess is... Um, Robin's grave already. They've got him buried in Detective Comics. It was like, that was kind of quick. The dirt's, <laughs> you know, the grass has grown over it. So, um, you know, the cover makes it look like it's going to be this big issue all about Robin, and uh, it's not. Um, and I think my favorite thing in the whole thing was when Penguin's at a payphone, which I don't know where he found a payphone. I guess Gotham still have some because <laughs> I haven't seen one in years. Uh, and then he, he looks up and the children's center from the beginning of Faybox run that, uh, was supposed to be Martha Wayne's children's center and then became the Cobblepot children's center is now the Ann Ogilvy children's center. So I thought that was a good callback and, uh, uh it says it's formerly, uh, Martha Wayne's children's 
Children Center. So he got Cobblepot, Esther Cobblepot, like the banner is like ripped down and over the a hood of a trunk uh, of a truck. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, so I enjoyed this quite a bit. And so I would give this four out of five spoilers, DC leaks before the issue comes out, including the spoiler that they released last week, that Ignatius Oval V will take over crazy quilts, criminal empire and call himself <laughs> emperor crazy quilts in an upcoming issue. So that actually sounds better than emperor penguin to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Tim, why don't you go? Yeah, I, th- I enjoyed this issue, too. Um, at first, I thought it was going to have a more focus on Batman uh, being more uh, lamenting over Damien's death. But like you said, Terrence, is just a few pages. It was it was a good few pages, too, where Alfred just goes up to Bruce, who's standing at Damien's grave. And we actually see Bruce shed a cheer, which is something we really don't see too often. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice touch. But probably what I enjoyed most about this issue was that seeing all the crap that happened to Penguin, <laughs> it was kind of, all the stuff that he's done, all, all the appearances he's had in every single Batman title. I thought it was kind of funny to see all this crap happen to him that he has to deal with, with Emperor Penguin taking over his empire. I liked how that all played out, which I wasn't expecting to because the whole Emperor Penguin thing wasn't something I was really into in the first few issue of uh, Jason or, or John Layman's run. So um, I did enjoy how it all wrapped up here with Emperor Penguin taking over uh, Cobblepot's empire and how Batman was trying to bring in Penguin, but he really didn't have any evidence against him. But it wasn't only until uh, Emperor Penguin started attacking them, or Penguin actually went to attack Emperor Penguin in the Iceberg Lounge, and that's all Batman needed for him to bring Penguin in. So I liked how all that played out. And then we're, how it ended, too, where it left the cliffhanger where Turns out Emperor Penguin's going to be doing something with the Manbat serum that he got from a woman who apparently has been in the, the Talon stories, which I haven't read, but I guess she's been a character in there. But now she's providing uh, Emperor Penguin with the, Tal- the Manbat serum. So we'll see how that plays out. So overall, I thought it was a good issue. Probably go ahead and give it three out of five DC or spoilers that DC will leak before the comic comes out. All right. And Laura, why don't you yeah. tell us what you think? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much agreeing with you guys. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, again, when I got the cover, well, when I got the issue, I was like, oh, hey, the cover's not what I expected it to be. I was like, is it this month already? But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure DC put out a load of fake solicitations and covers to cover up the whole Robin death that they spoiled anyway, so yeah. that was kind of pointless. But, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it, especially as... You guys said that uh, we got to see uh, Penguin being took down a notch because I kind of I played Arkham City and seeing him in that being um oh I just dropped a pen I'm sorry that went over the microphone seeing him took down a notch in that was so fun and then just seeing it in the comic was really gratifying as well for that and uh, like Terrence said my favourite panel was the uh, Children's Centre. That was really nice to see. But um like you guys when I when I read the uh Bruce at Damien's well, we're presuming Damien's grave which grave, which uh, it must be because he's on about losing his son. I just saw the tear and I was like, Wow, this is gonna be a really fun month <laughs> <laughs> Literally I was just like this is how the first week is going in the Batman books, so it can only get worse. But uh, but yeah, like you said, and with the Mambat serum at the end, I thought, oh, this this could actually get quite interesting. So 
I will give it a uh, four out of five spoilers that DC will leak before the comics even have a chance to get out into our comic shops. <laughs> Another thing, too, that I forgot to mention in the backup, I did like uh, Joker's small appearance in there. Like that, because you knew oh. Zash had Penguin dead, and that was the only way to get out of that was for Joker to come in and use him for his uh, plan and death of the family. So I did like how he was thrown in there at the end. As for me, I wanted to like this issue, um, you know, especially after reading Batman Inc. 8 and seeing this issue's awesome cover, uh, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, but the story just isn't there for me. Um, totally not interested whatsoever in Emperor Penguin or Penguin or what happened between <laughs> Penguin and Batman after death of the family. And what makes things worse is the fact that uh, John Layman tries to do way too much in this issue. I mean, first he addresses the Penguin and Batman interaction in Arkham, then he introduces Penguin, uh, finding out that Ogilvy has taken his spot. Then we have uh, Penguin finding out that all of his properties, his money, cars, and, you know, stuff like that are gone. Then you have all of this crap with Zaz um, doing something for Emperor Penguin. Then you have the end part with, with Old V doing some deal with a Russian chick who apparently is in Talon. Um, and then you have a backup story between Zaz and Emperor Penguin. Um, oh, and you also have that one scene, that one single scene, uh, even though this issue is called Requiem, um, of Bruce, you know, prying over, presumably, Damien's grave, which, um, you know, if you have an issue called Requiem with Bruce, you know, holding a shredded Robin cape, it should be about Bruce coming to terms with his loss, not Penguin and Ogilvy and Zaz and Arkham and, um, you know, stuff like that. You know, to, I don't want to rant here. <laughs> no, I agree. That, I really that, don't. That scene um, felt very forced in there and wedged in there and, like, what, what's this? Yeah. yeah. And it, the, the issue did not match the cover. Yeah, I mean, to me, right off the bat, uh, you know, I, I felt that this issue was wrong in so many ways. You know, wrong in the sense that it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You know, if you're going to lure me in with a depressed Bruce mourning the loss of Damien on the cover, then you have to deliver that. You know, not waste time and pages and art assets on a, on a meaningless story that, you know, That'll lead into what seems like another meaningless story with the Man-Bat Serum, which I'm totally not interested in, especially because I don't know the the talent story, this chick, um, and I don't like this whole Emperor Penguin thing. Um, what this issue felt like to me was the cop-out. It feels like, you know, Lehman didn't know how to approach the loss of Damien, so he copped out and was like, I'm just going to put my crappy story in this issue. You know, he, he was like, let's focus on this meaningless story where Penguin loses all of his stuff. I mean, I would agree if you said that that was, a, that, that was a good concept. And, you know, I would agree, you know, with Layman if you said that, you know, he was going ahead with this story. Because it's about a man who thrives on his personal wealth and possessions and, you know, he loses it all. But... I think that John Lehman just failed to deliver that story, the story that he wanted to tell. Um, you know, I, I think I got to the part where Penguin, you know, is on the phone with Ogilvy, who's saying, you know, that all of Penguin's credit cards are cut off and he lost his houses and stuff. 
And then I realized that I didn't really care about this stuff. I mean, who really cares that Penguin loses all of his wealth? I mean, sure, it's interesting, but in the end, who cares when you have something like the death of Robin? Who cares? I don't. Um, you know, and to take a concept that was written almost perfectly by Greg Hurwitz, you know, and his Penguin Pain and Prejudice uh, miniseries last year, and do a great injustice to it, just shows that it seems like Lehman doesn't care what he pumps out on a monthly basis. Not to mention that the basis of his story is a complete ripoff. You know, the only redeeming, redeeming quality of this issue, you know, is the one scene with, with Bruce crying over Damien's grave, even though you know, it barely scratched the surface of what's going on, you know, seems tacked in there because it was an obligation rather than what Lehman really wanted to write. Um, and, you know, the art was also good. You know, Jason Baybach is one of the best artists on the Bat Books and, you know, the, the best part of this issue. But I felt that this issue was absolutely awful. It was not what I wanted to read. So, yeah, this issue did not deliver what I wanted. It, it was terrible in my opinion. Um, obviously, I'm the only one here that shares that opinion, but this issue just let me down, especially after we got all that stuff with um, Batman income rate, the whole big thing that DC tried to make with the death of Robin, and I felt that this issue was just a, a letdown, especially for a title like Detective Comics. So, I'm probably going to give this a half out of five things that DC will leak before the issue hits the stands. Wow, half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I was just going to say before what you were saying about uh, uh, John Lehman not writing about the whole thing with Robin and Damien's death, I kind of felt that he had this story with the Penguin planned all along, and then when they decided Damien was going to die, DC said, okay, we just need something, one small portion in here about uh, Bruce remembering Damien or lamenting about Damien's death, and they kind of told him to yeah. put that one section in there. I feel that's more of a editorial mistake than actually something John Lehman. Right. Just because he was yeah. probably... I don't know for sure, but I bet he was forced to put that in there. It wasn't something he had planned. Yeah, but you see, the problem with that, I mean, I agree with you, Tim, but the problem with that is I feel that it's its a writing problem. John Lehman didn't write a good scene. If you don't like what was written, I think, yeah, that's not John, John Lehman, but... Yeah, so so to me, it felt like he was like, you know, he got the, the email or whatever, and he was just, you know, screw it, I'm just going to put a scene where Bruce is standing near a grave and he's crying. That's what I felt like that scene was. No, it, it barely scratched the surface of what was going on. Yeah, and it probably, but at the same time, I don't think it, it needed to. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, he had this bigger story that he was doing. He probably wanted to keep separate from Batman Inc., and he was being forced by DC Editorial to put this in there. And I actually kind of like what actually, this, it was short, but the conversation that Bruce and Alfred had. Bruce was saying how concerned he was with Alfred when the Joker caught him. He said he got you back, but I was, but now, oh, I got you back, but only to lose my son now. So I kind of like what he wrote there, but... I mean, if you don't, you don't like it, you don't like it, but I just think it, w it wasn't all his fault as far as feeling out of place in there. I, I blame that more on the editorial. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't all his fault, but I felt that he could have put a little more thought into it, mm. is what I'm saying. Okay, but, I but I guess we can agree to disagree, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
But I gotta um, ask, there's no small part of, of you that enjoyed seeing all this stuff happen to the penguin after he's in every issue. You didn't find that enjoyable at all. Well, I mean, I I get where you guys are coming from. I I guess there's some humor in that, but I don't know. I'm I'm so sick of this Emperor <laughs> Penguin thing and the penguin and Batman and the penguin and Batman and Emperor Penguin <laughs> and Emperor Penguin and, <laughs> and Penguin and you know I'm I'm so over this already. Um, but. <laughs> But I can see where you guys are coming from. That you know, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of funny seeing him lose all this stuff. Um, Next week in our our versus section, we've got to do now John Lehman versus David Hine. Let's see which one <laughs> <laughs> who would win. Watch Dane's head explode. <laughs> well, anyways, maybe we should move on to that wing number seventeen. Ladies first. Um, oh, Laura, gosh. why don't you go? <laughs> I knew you were going to pick me, and I'm going to have to admit that I haven't even read it. Uh, that's it. Nice. You're off the podcast. Yeah. No. You're off the podcast. You must read Batwing, the most important Batman title on the stand. Oh, <laughs> yes. I apologize. All right. Uh, so, I guess we can go with Tim. Tim, what did you think about... The wing of the bat. Otherwise, <laughs> no, yeah. I should say on the issue of the, of the cover of each title, <laughs> the wing of the bat. <laughs> yeah. I like this issue as well. Um, it's going off the story arc that uh, kind of what we uh, brought that wing back to being good again with David against going against this corrupt police force. And what I like most about this issue basically was that uh, – David's actions are having big consequences now, all because of that uh, rich guy's son being put in prison and now by Batwing, and now uh, he's going after Batwing and David. And we see that his base, the Haven, gets bombed, and uh, his mentor Matu has to was in that he escapes and survives, but it, he got really torn, messed up in that explosion. And then not only that, after uh, the last issue, we saw David. Uh, in the prison trying to prevent that guy's son from escaping. I'm blanking on that guy's name. I know I do that all the time, <laughs> especially in that way. I just don't remember that guy's name. Uh, but he meets up with uh, Rachel Don. Who's which that guy? I'm sorry, which guy are, are you blanking the name on? The the villain of the story whose son was arrested. And now he's trying to break him free. He's, he's like oh. this rich, uh, just this rich guy in South Africa, but I just keep blanking on his name for some reason. And Mark Sperry, right? Mr. Mark Sperry. Okay, yeah, there you go. Marksberry. <laughs> I looked it up. That's why I was. <laughs> well, thanks for helping me out. Yeah, but yeah. So we see David gets shot in the leg by uh, the person he actually teamed up with in the previous story arc, uh, the father lost story. So he's messed up there. His base is blown up. Matu's in the hospital. Uh, Marksberry's son has escaped from prison. Uh, his plan has worked. And then when David goes back to the prison or the police station, we see his uh, corrupt cops are still giving him trouble and said that, or blaming him for the two officers who tried to kill him, ended up dead, and they're blaming David for that. And then he ends up getting uh, put on a, he's suspended from the police force. So just everything's going wrong for him. And then I just like seeing that his actions are having consequences, and they're just moving his story forward in a way that I think is interesting. But um, at the very end, um, Matu tells him to go to, um, I guess it's a, the orphanage where he was at, or the children's center. I think it was an orphanage, but uh, where he grew up on and where he met him. And he just goes back there kind of kind of to meditate and to remind him why he's doing this. 
And then he find, to find out the real reason that was there, that he left another Batwing suit for them to take on. And I got real excited as I was flipping through this page. Oh, this is the start of his new costume, which looks awesome. Then I get to the final page. It's still kind of the same old Batwing costume. I was like, ah, <laughs> got to wait a few more issues still to see that his new costume. And I just like the direction he's going to because he's a changed person after all this. I mean, he's trying to be what Batman stands for, being part of Batman Incorporated, not taking any criminals' lives, but... In his past, that's what he did. He was a soldier who killed people as a child. So he's getting desperate to a point now where he's going to go back to that. I mean, the issue ends where he says uh, it's time for people to die now. So I'm really curious to see and interested to find out if he's really going to go through that and kind of be a hero, but a hero who kills the villain. So looking forward to see how this story arc wraps up and for him to get his new costume. So (laughs) I'll probably give this issue... Three out of five spoilers that DC leaks before the issue comes out. Terrence, what did you think about it? Yeah, this comic it was another one that uh, I went back and read uh, Batwing 17 and then Batwing 18 back to back like that. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, you know, the artwork was good; it was solid. Um, wasn't like amazing, but it was it was pretty solid. And the story, you know, Fabian Nicienza, he really just he sets a real good tone for the the book. You really feel like David is this guy who is just up against all this corruption and all this villainy everywhere he turns. And he's just he every time he tries to do the right thing and the good thing, it backfires in his face and he ends up in more trouble. And, you know, it'd be so easy to do the wrong thing. It'd it'd be so easy to just take a bribe and get everybody off his back. You know, it'd be so easy to just shoot one of these guys and, and take a life. But he's still even though it's so difficult, he still always does the right thing. And he, he's, it's really a, um, a true hero, uh, for that. And so that I really liked. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry that Fabi Nicienza won't be on this book long term. Um, and, um, everything Tim said agreed. And I'm glad you said that because at the end here, when they showed his new costume and it says Batwing 2.0, I was like, well, this doesn't look like I, what I thought I saw. You know, it looks very different than that first issue, uh, Batwing costume, but that now makes sense that what you said. And I like, the bat logo on the costume is pretty cool. The um, the symbol and how it lights up. Um, so overall, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I would give it. Uh, let's see, about three and a half or four. Um, so I'll, I'll go four. I'll go with four out of five spoilers. DC leaks before the issues come out. And since this is, you know, the Batman of Africa, it should be known that they, DC released that spoiler last week that Tim Drake is actually going to leave Gotham and move to Africa and become the uh, crazy quilt of Africa. <laughs> and um, he's going to call himself Red Quilt, though. He's not, he won't be called Crazy Quilt, he'll be Red Quilt. So I'm looking forward to those issues coming out, although it is kind of spoiled a little bit for me by DC. I, I like where Batwing is going, and... I like what uh, Fabian Nicieza Nicienza. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Fabian. Fabian. I think you got it right. That was right how you said it. Nicieza? No, I don't know. The Nicieza. I like what he's doing with this arc, you know, with David getting kicked off the police force and, um, you know, stuff like that. I, I really think it's great because, you know, David doesn't have to constantly fight corruption on both fronts, you know, as a cop and as battling. Um, I think that David being a police officer kind of limits the character because he has to be battling and he has to be, you know, uh, 
a cop. Um, and I think it would be better to see David fight as Batwing because we need to see that, especially in this story, because he, because the book was pretty crappy, and and the fact that you know I feel that the police officer aspect of the story feels kind of tacked on to the parts we really want to see. But as for the story, I, I think it's good and bad because I, I like the whole police corruption thing that has been going on. And I really like the fact that they made, they made the story a little more personal for David by attacking Matu. You know, and it's, it, it's a good way to begin the climax of the story. But I don't know. I, I just don't like this Skyhunter guy. I mean, I, I think it's too out there for Batwing. It's, it's too much fantasy. And yeah, I know comics are fake and fantasy, but, but in the sense that the Bat books are supposed to be a, a little more realistic, I think, you know, that this villain is, he just doesn't fit into the world of Batwing. Um, but you know, that aside, I really like what, uh, Fabian Nicias is doing with this arc, and I like how he you know, includes Don in the story as a kind of bounty hunter. Um, and I also liked how she was kind of like Batwoman's, I mean, uh, Batwing's Catwoman, you know, where she's morally ambiguous, even though, you know, sh- she has a past with David. I just wish we could see, you know, a Don and David story without Don being a second-hand character in the story. And yeah, like you guys, I wish we could have seen that new Batwing suit in this issue because it it just looks so cool. But yeah, I I like where Batwing is going. It's finally heading in the right direction, and you know, the art is good. It, you know, it's almost as good as that that first Batwing art. So I'm probably going to give this a three a three and a half out of five. Spoilers that DC will leak. Um, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers that they'll leak before the issue comes out. That. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> I have it wrote down now. It's like stuck to my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to remember that line forever now. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll leave it there. All right. So I guess that's it for the comics for this past two weeks. Unless there's anything you guys wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk more about the Injustice Gods Among Us webcom digital comic series but i'm still behind on it i haven't gotten the newest issues yet so i can't talk about it from what i already mentioned before so maybe when it's all wrapped up i'll give a review of the whole series once i eventually read them all (laughs) (laughs) all right well um you know before we do all the outro stuff tim or we (laughs) we have a contest uh giveaway and stuff like that so tim did, did you want to talk more about that yeah so this will be our first bat fans giveaway contest and what the prizes are, I got two brand new Blu-ray copies of The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and Part 2 that uh, we wanted to give out to our listeners. And the way to enter is all you have to do is go ahead and leave us an iTunes review. And then once you do that, you can just copy that review and send it to the email address contest at the net. You can just uh, copy and paste the review left on iTunes into that email and just leave us your uh, name and an email address. And then probably at the beginning, in our first podcast of April is when we'll do a random drawing of all the entries of the reviews that we got, and we'll pick a winner to receive both The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2 on Blu-ray. So hopefully we get a lot of entries into this and uh, get some iTunes reviews, and you'll get those Blu-rays. All right, and we also have another big announcement. Uh, Don and Stella from the uh, Batman Universe comic cast are getting married, and Terrence, he wasn't invited because they don't like him. They think he's a rotten person. So, 
Um, yeah, that's happening. And if you didn't catch that, I'm a rotten person who can't go to Don and Stiller's uh, wedding. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. I was wondering why I didn't get the invitation. Thanks you for clearing that up, Dane. So, yeah. <laughs> I just thought they had no idea who the heck I was. So <laughs> They probably don't, but... They don't, because I, I listened to Stella's podcast one time, and she was doing uh, fan uh, like feedback, and one of the fans asked her, oh, what other podcasts do you listen to? And she named all these like podcasts, except for no mention of the Bat Fans podcast. So I wouldn't go to her wedding anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so after that announcement, I guess that is it. Um you can check out our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or on Twitter. And the Twitter handle is... At Batman Universe. At Batman Universe. <laughs> I thought you were just building up the suspense. <laughs> I know. Dun, dun, dun. I couldn't, I couldn't find it on the show notes. <laughs> uh, How can you not know it by heart? You can also find... Yeah. I don't know. And you can also find Laura at batsdon'tkillbabbles.tumblr.com. And what's your Twitter handle, Laura? Oh, just at batsdon'tkill. Okay. Um, and you can also find us on iTunes as well as all of the other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes. And Dustin's on all of them. Right, Tim? Every single one, except this one. <laughs> for some reason. Um, and you can rate and review all of those podcasts, and you can rate and review us, and you can also leave us a comment on the actual post on the BatmanUniverse.net. Let me tell them where they can find me, because I'll be at the University Baptist Church in Virginia crashing Don and Stellar's wedding. So <laughs> I can't believe I got, didn't get an invite. If they're getting married in Virginia, I'm the closest one to Virginia, and from, but... I guess I'm a horrible person, so <laughs> but I'm going to crash saying, the wedding. You know yeah. the saying, keep their friends close and your enemies closer? That's yes. what happened in where you live. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> um, and if, if you would like to send us an email with any questions or comments or hate mail, uh, you can email us at batfast27 at gmail.com. So with that... We are finally done, Tim. We are done, and I apologize again for messing up on the Star Wars trivia in the beginning. I'm mad at myself. How could I do that? Goodbye, and I hope I don't sound American. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, no offense, guys, but <laughs> I, I do the worst impression, so bye, and I'm hoping this is British or sounds near enough. <laughs> it sounds British to me. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you. Don't cry. We'll be back here. <laughs> In two weeks, as always. So don't cry. Just uh, love us. Just feel the love in your heart. So bye, everybody. See ya. I can still miss her skin on mine. Well, it's a secret I'll take with